Good morning. Let's find our seats. It's good to see everyone this morning as we worship together, as we really dig into what the Holy Spirit does, and there's just a wealth of things to dig into. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Ron. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit to remind ourselves of what God has given us, the gift that God has given us. How many of you um, tried some tried to be more aware of the Holy Spirit this week? Paperclip, did that go well? I um, it, it helped me for a while, but it was a little hard to see. And then one of the days, it may have gone through the wash. And and Susie pointed out, you know, this paperclip. There's a paperclip on your shirt. I'm like, oh no, I washed the Holy Spirit. And um, then it's like, no, no, that's just a symbol. It was just a reminder of the Holy Spirit. But for me, it actually helped to give me something tangible to remind myself that the Holy Spirit was with me, to remind myself that the Holy Spirit is directing and moving every moment of every day. But we just sometimes are oblivious to that. This morning, we want to continue to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. See, ultimately where we're going, just to like give you a heads up, ultimately where we're going is, I, my prayer for us as a church is that we are more dependent on the Holy Spirit, that we are more open to His leading, that we are seeking Him, that we need Him, and that we watch Him and His power work in our lives. But to do that, we, we started with who is the Holy Spirit, because we have to understand Him. And today we continue with what does the Holy Spirit do? Because so often when we think, oh, the Holy Spirit is with us, we're not alone, we can think, oh, the Holy Spirit's my buddy. He's my buddy with me and he's just, he goes with me wherever I go. And and he is with us and and he is a friend. The Bible says we are friends of God now, which is is just mind-blowing on its own. But the Holy Spirit does so much more than just be our buddy. And, and and He does so much more in this world. And if we aren't aware of the breadth of what the Holy Spirit does, we are missing what God has for us. It's like going on Christmas morning and having 40 gifts under the tree. And some of your houses, you do that for your kids. I know, it's like... But you have 40 gifts under the tree. And what if your, your child said, I'm going to open one? I'm good, Dad. I, I, I've opened one. And so many times when we fail to study the Holy Spirit, when we fail to broaden understanding of what Scripture says He does, we are opening one little part of that gift of what God has given us, and we miss the rest. And we're missing what God wants to do in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to spend this week, and we actually will we'll finish up next week on what does the Holy Spirit do, and then we'll jump into, okay, so how do we depend on Him? How do we live by Him? And so that's a little bit of a roadmap where we're going. And as we talk about what the Holy Spirit does, we are spending a few weeks on that. I do sort of hope it it blows our mind a little bit. I keep saying that because in my study of the Holy Spirit, I'm like, oh, this is great. This look at all he's doing. And and it just, it keeps expanding even what I thought I knew in my head. Watching verse after verse and seeing where the Holy Spirit is is mentioned. You know, one of the, the things that we saw this week as we went through life as we, we memorialized 9-11. And 9-11 this week um, brought back memories for many of us. Now, my, my kids were like, Dad, did, did you actually, did, were you alive when that happened? 
yep, and married. <laughs> Been married 10 years by then. <laughs> and they're like, wow, you're old. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> Bread and water for you. No, um, <laughs> but most of us here can remember that. And I still clearly remember the video in my head, right? The, the, on TV, the, the broadcast of what happened. And I remember living that day. And I remember people coming together in our neighborhood in candlelight vigils as we, we were shocked at the evil that was in this world. Which in and of itself, it's like, why are we shocked at the evil in this world? But we came together and we're like, how do we live in this world where 9-11 just happened? And now here we are 18 years later and, and, and life has gone on. But it, it was a reminder to us, and it should still be a reminder to us, of just how broken this world is. This is a fallen, broken world, not because God created it that way, but because of the fall and sin and what Satan has done, has destroyed what God intended for good in this world. And that is the world that we are living in, and we are tasked to live in, to engage, to do God's work, to be part of what He's doing. So last week we started looking at John 14 through 16, where Jesus was leaving his disciples in that broken, fallen world. And it was just as broken back then 2,000 years ago as it is now. Yes, different ways and different technology and different things, but sin was just as rampant and evil was just as rampant. And he was saying to his disciples, I don't desire to take you out of this world, but to leave you here to be my witnesses. And so we started last week by understanding, and and the context of these chapters is so important, understanding this is Jesus' encouragement to his disciples. This is how I'm going to help you live in this world. You're not alone. You don't have to handle this on your own. And so last week we, we looked at four things that the Holy Spirit does to help us in this fallen world and, and, and to help us be witnesses for God, to be on task in this fallen world. And the first was just the description, he's our helper. He's our, he comes alongside. He's our paraclete. And we know that we are not alone and he is helping us with whatever we face. And the second thing we talked about is he lives in us. He lives in us. He indwells us every moment of every day. How many of you this week experienced just some difficulties in life? Anyone? Most of us. Village, the Holy Spirit was with you. The Holy Spirit was in you in that moment. He indwelled you and He was helping you to go through that. And out of those, we talked about we need to be aware of His presence and we need to be aware that we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own effectively. And then we talked about that the Holy Spirit teaches us. And Jesus said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit because He's going to teach you what I've taught you. He's going to bring to mind all of those things. He will help us understand Scripture. And so even now as we come to Scripture and we just prayed that that God would open up Scripture, we are praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal God's truth to us. And then we ended by talking about that the Holy Spirit guides us and that He leads us. And and we need to be aware of that guidance. We need to be open to that guidance. We need to be following that guidance. But He leads us. Because there are times we don't know which which direction to go. There are times we don't know which choice to make. The Holy Spirit is with us to help us make those choices. Praise God. Jesus had more to say, though. And so turn with me to John 14. 
John 14, and we're going to finish today with three more things that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, why He was giving the Holy Spirit, and then we'll, we'll transition more into looking at the Holy Spirit's role in salvation. But three more things of, of how powerful the gift of the Holy Spirit is. And again, these might be familiar to us. I hope these verses are familiar to us. But I'm hoping that we pile them on each other so we get a, a, a broad view of the work of the Holy Spirit who is doing God's work physically on this planet. Because He is God. So John 14, we'll look at 26 and 27. And the fifth thing, the fifth way that the Holy Spirit is our helper is the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us peace and hope. The Holy Spirit helps us by giving us peace and hope. He gives peace in a troubling Genesis 3 world. He gives hope and peace in a 9-11 world. He gives hope and peace in every situation you experience this week. So I'm going to start at verse 26, John 14, 26. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance all that I have said to you. And we looked at that last week with the teaching and that He teaches us. And that's one of His roles. And then the very next verse, and growing up I memorized this verse separately, and it's really cool when you see context. I know this is the conversation about the Holy Spirit. The very next verse, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And this is a powerful verse, and it's even more powerful when we realize Jesus is talking about this verse in the context of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is connecting the gift of the Holy Spirit with peace on this planet, in our lives. The two cannot be separated. And, and, and this is why we always encourage reading the Bible in context, because a verse that is beautiful on its own is powerful in context. Make sense? Because now Jesus is saying, I, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and He's the one that enables you to have peace. He's the one that enables you to have hope. He will continue the work of Christ in our lives, in this world around us. And so when I see this, when I think of peace, and the word for peace here, this is in the Greek, but it's often associated with shalom of the Old Testament, the idea of a well-being, that that life is working well, that there is a trust. It doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean there's not sin. But there is this well-being, this peace, that says this is covered. And so in this case, it's saying the Holy Spirit's got this. The Holy Spirit's taking care of things and I don't have to worry and I don't have to be troubled. And that Holy Spirit is the gift of peace. And so Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, speaking of the Holy Spirit. My peace I give to you because the Holy Spirit's continuing Jesus' work. Next phrase, Not as the world gives do I give you. And that that should make us take notice because what, what does the world have to offer by way of peace? I heard laughter. There's not a lot that was working for peace right now, right? Now you can go to a bookstore and you can see thousands of books at this point that are self-help books, you know, how to have peace or how to live happily or your best life now or whatever, and all these crazy things that miss the point of the Holy Spirit. The world 
is trying to offer peace, but that false substitute is not giving us peace. Watch the news for seven days. Watch the news for seven minutes. There's not a lot of peace in this world. And we feel it, don't we? We feel it with, with, with our spirits being troubled, with the worry, with the, the anxiety that can happen. It's not uncommon that I hear the phrase, I just want a little peace in my life. Especially those of you with toddlers. And I get it. It's a whole different kind of busyness and a whole different kind of, of stress. But we're seeking peace. And the world can't give it. Which means... More money isn't going to give you peace. A higher salary isn't going to give you peace. A, a, a better neighborhood isn't going to give you peace. Better friends aren't going to give you peace. And a better spouse isn't going to give you peace. And I know that's one of the reasons people have affairs and divorce. Ah, something better out there. No, no, none of that gives peace. We are chasing an idol that can only be met through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Now at the time, remember, if, if we understand context, when Jesus said this, not of the, as the world gives peace, this is the, the time of the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace. And so they would, have, they would have understood what this meant, because the Romans, the Romans had brought peace to the area by killing anyone that d- disagreed with them. And so yes, it was a time of unprecedented peace, but unprecedented violence and stress and and. This, what the world offered, wasn't working. Peace through might, in that case, peace through violence, isn't peace at all. And so Jesus says, not as the world gives. That, that's, those false things that don't last, and you know in your heart they don't work, that's not what I'm giving you. I'm giving you something that lasts and is effective. Not as the world gives do I give you. And then the phrase, that is just so challenging, quite frankly. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And that word for troubled there is disturbed or shaken or unsettled. And so it is a word that we would use for anxiety, for being stressed about life, of what's going on in life. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Choose not to be troubled. Choose not to be anxious, people. Because the Holy Spirit's given to you and He is giving peace. That's the context. This is all one thought. And then He says, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Choose not to have that fear. And interestingly enough, the word for fear there has this idea of a lack of courage. A lack of wanting to move forward. A lack of being able to step out for Christ. And so Jesus is saying, I've given you a helper. The Holy Spirit is in you. And He gives you peace. He gives you, not by making everything hunky-dory, not by making everything perfect, but by saying, I've got this. By giving you strength to handle it. And so you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. You have a comforter. And village, that's a message for us, because I know a lot of you are going through a lot of things. You have a comforter indwelling you. And you don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to give in to anxiety. Those are all things that the devil would love to capture you with and trap you with and pull you down. And Jesus is saying, I've given you the answer. I've given you peace. 
don't neglect the peace that the Holy Spirit gives. Don't quench the Spirit by being worrywarts. Because we can be that, right? Anyone lose sleep any time this week about situations in your life? Yeah, you know. I know. At that moment, we need to say, God, forgive me for worrying about this. I trust your Holy Spirit. I'm looking for how you'll work. A whole different way of approaching life. And it's a godly way of approaching life. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. So to set the mind on this world, what's going on around us, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit of the spirit is life and peace. And and Paul to to the church in Rome is saying, if you're if you're focusing, if you're setting your mind, if you're choosing to focus on all this junk, it's death. It's going to kill you. But instead, set your mind on the spirit, on the Holy Spirit, what He's doing, and that will bring life and peace. Just a side note, the Holy Spirit gives us peace in a couple ways. And I think a great way to think about it is He gives us peace vertically and horizontally. The Holy Spirit gives us peace vertically by drawing us to our Savior. By drawing, convicting us, and we'll talk about that in a minute, convicting and drawing us to God. And then through the Holy Spirit, we we are sanctified and regenerated. We are saved. And that now gives us peace with God. Because of our sin, before the Holy Spirit, before we're saved, because of our sin, we have become enemies of God. We have shaken our fist at Him and saying, I'm going to do it my way. And the Holy Spirit, through His conviction and through bringing salvation into our lives, fixes that and gives us peace there through the cross by pointing us, by bearing testimony, we'll see, of Jesus Christ and drawing us to salvation. Now that sin is paid for, forgiveness has been won has been bought, and there's peace with God. But the other way the Holy Spirit gives peace, and and this is, I think, a huge part of what Jesus is talking about as he looks at the world around, is the Holy Spirit gives us peace horizontally. Peace that God's got this. You know, in our Minor Prophets class, we keep talking about, the, the prophets keep talking about life is really bad now, but there's hope. Because God is going to win in the end on his timetable. And we can have peace in this world because we know that God knows every situation. He knows every situation you're in. He's given us the Holy Spirit to get through that, to have strength to endure and wisdom to make the right decisions, right? And so we can trust Him and stop worrying about it. This is a truth I think we need to hear. I think we often need to hear this truth in in the good times. Remind ourselves in the good times Because this reminds us that the same thing that is true in the good times is is true in the dark times. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And so we can have joy, trusting in God. Joy is a settled trust and belief in God. We can have peace, a spirit free of worry and fear because of our trust and belief in God. Another verse just to, to conclude this point. It's Romans fifteen thirteen, Because we talk about peace. And, and Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming and that's I'm leaving you peace. That's how you can have peace. But peace then leads to hope. 
peace and hope are, 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 are holding hands. They're, they're partners. And if we can have peace and knowing God's got this, then we can have hope in the future because God's got this. In Romans 15, 13, Paul brings these things together. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And so we get all three of them there. He's saying, may God fill you. He's the God of hope. May He fill you with joy and peace because you believe in God, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Did you catch that last phrase? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. How do we have, how do we have hope in life? Through the Spirit. Through the power of the Spirit. And in fact, without the power of the Spirit, without understanding that He's with us, without understanding that that indwelling is happening even now and will for our entire time on this planet, there's not a lot of hope without that. And so we can't do this on our own. We can't be people of hope consistently on our own because this world eventually will beat us down. But don't let it. Don't let it, not by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, not by convincing yourself, the optimist, that everything's going to be peachy. But have hope because the Holy Spirit is working God's plan and nothing will change that. That can give us hope in the direst of circumstances. Can't do it on our own. That's part of the gift of the Holy Spirit, of what Jesus says here. So He's our helper. He lives in us. He teaches us. He guides us. He gives us peace. We need peace. We move on to, to point number six. The Holy Spirit convicts people of truth. You're like, wait, wait, wait. We just talked about peace. Now we're talking about convicting? That's not cool. Now the Holy Spirit convicts people of the truth of the gospel and draws people to God. The Holy Spirit convicts people of the truth of the gospel and draws people to God. And in this point, we're going to talk about on two different levels. Before Christ, before we're saved, before we come to a belief in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the active agent that reveals the truth of the gospel to us and convicts us of our sin. In fact, without the Holy Spirit drawing us to God, we will never come to Christ on our own. Now that alone is a pretty huge work of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, none of us would be saved sitting in this room. We would never have been convicted of our sins. And the other side of this is once we're saved, the Holy Spirit continues to convict us of the sin in our lives, of, of, of how we are defying God, how we are not following God. And so to flip over one page, this is still John 14 through 16, but this, let's look at John 15 next. John 15, verses 26 and 27. John 15, 26 and 27. And I haven't put the John passages on the screen. I want you to have your Bibles open to the John passages. The other ones I'll put on the screen as, as we jump there. But John 15, 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, we have all these statements about the deity of the Holy Spirit there, He will bear witness about me. And, and so one of his roles that Jesus says is the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness or testify of me. It comes from a, 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 legal, a legal term of almost a prosecuting attorney. The Holy Spirit will prove who I am. How does he do that? He convicts 
us in our hearts. And so he says, the Holy Spirit who comes, he will bear witness about me. It's one of his roles is to bring glory to the Son and to tell people about the Son. That neighbor that you're witnessing to, that neighbor that you're praying comes to Christ, or we should be praying comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to convict their hearts. The Holy that, that's, that's his role. So he will bear witness of me. And in verse 27, we'll look at it in a minute in, in point seven. But and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And we see this partnership between the Holy Spirit doing the work and us being willing tools of that. Flip over another page to John 16. And I think, I think it's helpful to read these verses together. John 16, starting at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. And we studied that already. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And then catch verse 8. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. So those that don't believe in Christ can't understand the sin in their lives, so the Holy Spirit will reveal to them the sin in their lives. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And so when Jesus is leaving, the disciples say, well, how we, they might say, well, how will we know how to live for you? Holy Spirit will convict of righteousness and what that looks like. And in verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And the Holy Spirit will impress on this world that God hates sin and God will take care of sin and He will judge sin and let's not mess with it or take it lightly. And so we see here the the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict. He exposes sin. He convicts of sin. And, And I know that this is juxtaposed with peace. But peace doesn't mean that we're oblivious to sin. Actually, part of Him bringing peace is dealing with the sin in our lives. If it's not dealt with, you can't have peace. And so the counselor is proving that this world needs Jesus. That this world needs Jesus. What kind of God would He be? How loving would He be if He didn't send a way for us to understand the depth of our sin? And He just let us wallow in it. And He just let us die in it. No, God loves us so much that He sent His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to convict of sin. See, telling people they need Jesus, that's not, that's not judgmental. That's life-saving truth. You know, a, a doctor, when you're diagnosed with a disease or something, a doctor doesn't hold back on the diagnosis because he wants to be nice. No, he tells the diagnosis as clearly and specifically as he can and then gives you the remedy. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And quite frankly, as we share the gospel, that's what we're called to do. We're called to help people know their need for Jesus and say, but we have the best solution. We have the only solution. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he died and rose again. The Holy Spirit is convicting of those truths. He is also convicting us as believers. He indwells us. We bring Him along into everything we do. We brought Him along into the trouble this week, the difficulties, and He helps us through. We brought Him along in the sin. Not that He sins, but He's indwelling us and He sees our sin. 
and he's grieved by it. And so he convicts us because he wants to make us a holy people following God. A question that I I think of when I read these verses is, am I still open to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit? After being a believer for 48 years, am I still open to the Holy Spirit's convicting or do I think I've got this Christian thing wired? Because I know how to talk. I know how to pray. I know how I'm supposed to look on Sunday morning. But am I still open to the convicting work of the Spirit? Am I still open to maybe Him showing me sins that I don't even realize are there and, and grieving my spirit with those sins? The Holy Spirit gives peace, but He does that by, reforming, by, by transforming us that we'll talk about in the work of salvation. And so I ask you that same question. Are you open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is working in you right now this morning to say, you need Jesus. You can't handle your sin on your own. You can't. The payment is death. And and, and that's not a good ending to the story. But Jesus died on the cross for you. Because He loves you and He extends grace and forgiveness if we'll follow Him. And so if you don't know Christ, that's how the Holy Spirit's convicting this morning. If you do know Christ and you're a believer, are we open to His convicting work? You know, a great way to test this is to spend some time in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, reveal the junk in my life. And then listen. Seek Him. Don't just hope He hits you when you're, when you're going 100 miles an hour. Seek the Holy Spirit and say, convict me. Ask Him to. In fact, I'd like to just bow our heads right now. And no, we're not ending the sermon early. Just bow your heads right now. And let's spend a few moments with God saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. And ask the Holy Spirit that if there is anything displeasing to Him, He would begin to reveal that to you this morning. Just spend a few moments in prayer. Lord, convict us through your Holy Spirit. Convict us of the junk in our lives that we can get rid of it, that we can live wholeheartedly for you and experience your peace. Lord, as as you convict us, help us to be open to that. Open to change, to sanctification, to confessing our sins and, and experiencing your forgiveness in that. Make us a people after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number six, the Holy Spirit convicts people of truth. The truth of the gospel and draws people to God. Last point out of the the John passages, this section, is the Holy Spirit equips and helps us share Jesus with others. The Holy Spirit equips and helps us to share Jesus with others. And this is an outgrowth of the last point, but flip back to John 15, where we just were. John 15, 26, and 27. 
And we read in 26 that the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus. He will bear witness about me. But then 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And Jesus tells his disciples, the Holy Spirit does the work. He does the work of conviction. You're not off the hook. We can't just sit in these nice, comfortable chairs and come together and have potlucks and enjoy each other's company and let the Holy Spirit do the work on the outside. And maybe the Holy Spirit will bring some other people in and then we can have more friends. No, what what does Jesus say to his disciples? Holy Spirit bears witness of me and so do you. So do you. It's a partnership of sort. Not an equal partnership. He does all the work. We're His hands and feet. But the Holy Spirit equips us and helps us to share Jesus with others. He helps us know know and show the truth about Jesus to share that with others. We both bear witness. Now, now this isn't the only place where this concept is found in Scripture. There are a whole number of ways that he helps us. In Acts 1.8, a familiar passage where Jesus has told them, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit before, the, before you go out and share me with others, basically. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we've talked about this with missions and the different circles that that represents. I want to look at the first phrase. You will receive power. Guys, the Holy Spirit indwelling us means we have power to share the gospel. Right now I'm thinking of all these examples of shows my kids like of the Avengers and superpowers and all this. We'll leave that. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. And yet we're scared to. And yet we struggle with telling our neighbor that Jesus died for them. And I'm convicted by this just as much because we live in fear sometimes, right? Well, what will our neighbor think? What if they don't talk to me again? What if it's a little awkward between us when we wave in the morning as I leave? Yeah, what if they're going to hell? We are called to bear witness of the King of Kings. And we are given the power to do it. But we've got to choose to not grieve the Holy Spirit and to act on that. You know, sometimes we can think, well, well, I don't know. This is going to be a stretching experience. Good. <laughs> we need to be stretched. Sometimes a barrier could be, well, I don't know what to say. I I don't know what I'm going to say. I I won't have answers to all their questions. Let me read read a verse out of Mark to you. Mark 13, 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, and again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's like, yeah, you're going to be arrested. You're going to trial. It's going to be cool. When, When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. This is a cool verse. Because Jesus is saying, actually at that moment, when you're bearing witness of me, when they're asking questions, when you're trying to figure out what to say, the power in you, the Holy Spirit in you, He's the one that's going to give you the words. 
And I know story after story from you in this room where you have said, yeah, I couldn't remember a verse. I didn't know what to say. And I was in this conversation and this verse came to me or this thought came to me and God used it in powerful ways. That was the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in you, bringing that to mind. And so when we say He equips us and helps us share Jesus with others, we mean it. It's not just that we have our buddy cheering us on from the side, but He's actually giving us the words we need to say if we're open to it, if we're listening. i got to use a baseball metaphor here. So picture, picture if you're a pitcher on a baseball team and you go out and your job is to pitch the ball. And the, I don't want to say the Holy Spirit, but someone else, the manager or whatever says, I guarantee you no batter will be able to hit your pitches. No batter will be able to, to, to counter your pitches. You are guaranteed that your pitches, no matter how bad they are, no matter how slow they are, it's going to work. Would you go pitch? Yeah. Because what do you got to lose? Someone else is doing all the work. Someone else is the power. And I know it's probably a bad example in so many other ways, and don't go with it too far. But we wouldn't be scared to do that because we know that we're not the one that it's dependent on. Think now in terms of sharing Jesus with others. You and I, we don't save anyone. Your power is not what gets somebody to turn to Christ. Your eloquent words will never convict someone if the Holy Spirit isn't drawing them. Because we don't convict. He does. Now, this doesn't mean we sit on the couch. Again, there's a partnership. If we don't go out and pitch the ball, then then there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to do there. There's no work. There's no action on our part that He is empowering. But the lesson here is don't be afraid to try to share Christ with others. Don't be afraid to, even if it's awkward, stumble and and figure out how to share the gospel with them. Because the Holy Spirit is convicting. And the Holy Spirit is drawing. And if they're going to come to Christ, they're going to come to Christ. No matter, no matter how awkward our words are. If we're willing to take that step. And so why are we scared to tell people about Jesus? This verse has just been very convicting to me. You also will bear witness. He bears witness. You also will, will bear witness. And the reason this, this is so powerful is because the Spirit is working in us. And the Spirit is convicting. Not us. Well, He should be us in our sin. But He's convicting them and He's working in them. And so I can, I can talk to my neighbor. And I can have an awkward conversation and say, you know what? I care about you. And, and, and I, I, I have the best news that I've never shared with you. And I apologize for that. But, but I see you living and you're not living for Christ. And, and I see you chasing things and it's not working, is it? Because we live in a world of sin. And we live in a world that's seeking remedies for sin that don't work. And then you can go on and have this conversation. They may not respond then. 
They might respond then. But that's not up to you. That's not up to having the best evangelism plan you've ever had and having just the right four spiritual laws or five or whatever it is now. It's the Holy Spirit at work when we are willing to share with people. What a great thing to leave his disciples with as he leaves the planet. As he's about to be crucified and then ascend, rise again and then ascend into heaven. To say, you're continuing my work, but you just have to be tools of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will handle the results. How does the Holy Spirit help us? He lives in us. He teaches us, helps us understand God's Word. He guides us when we're not sure a direction to go. He gives us peace in this fallen, broken, ugly world. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts us of our sins so we can draw closer to God. And then He empowers us to share the Gospel. He empowers us to know what to say. You know, one of the, one of the ways, and this is, this is just coming back to awareness of the Spirit, is... When you enter a conversation like that, I encourage you to be praying that the Holy Spirit will give you words. Again, this is part of being aware and being open and being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Every time you're having a conversation with that neighbor, every time you're having a conversation of a family gathering with a relative that doesn't know Christ, be praying. Say, Holy Spirit, give me the right words. Open the door. Work on their hearts. Be softening their hearts. Holy Spirit, help this conversation. Help this conversation be empowered with your convicting work. And see what God does. And see what God does. We're going to actually stop there this week. Next week we'll, we'll pick up the Holy Spirit and the work of salvation and finish up the work of the Holy Spirit. But I would encourage you this week to get some time of silence. Get away and read John 14 through 16. It won't take you very long. It may take you 10 minutes. But just get some quiet and read John 14 through 16. It's not all about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is peppered throughout. But it is, it is Christ teaching to his disciples in the upper room. And just see what God says and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you as you read it. Because he is alive, he is God, and he is living in us. Let's be bold for him. Let's make a difference for him this week and watch him work. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would work in the lives of people that we know that don't know you. That your Holy Spirit would already be convicting, that would already be preparing that soil for your word. Lord, and then help us, because we're more aware of the Holy Spirit, to be more aware aware of those opportunities, to step out in boldness, to step out in faith, and to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And here's why you should too. Lord, we, we aren't left here to just sit and have comfortable lives. Help us to know that. Convict us of that. Help us to see our purpose is to be about your purpose. And Lord, I pray that over the next six months, we have stories of people that have told others about you in this church, people that have come to you and accepted you and are now living for you and experiencing eternal life. Lord, I pray that we would see you work as we obey and reach out.
with the best news ever. Lord, I also thank you for your peace. A peace that allows us to step out in boldness, that allows us to step out in faith because we trust you. To not be so shattered by this world around us that we are still ambassadors for you. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts to convict us, but also to make us aware of that peace. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We trust you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.